Council. Uh, tonight we're turning in the Word of God to the book of Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to think about the consecration of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22, and we will read from the verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, that because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Amen. We know God will add his own blessing to the reading of his inspired and infallible word. 
Let us seek the Lord for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the praises. We thank you, Lord, for the, the youth choir singing thy praises. We, we thank you, Father, uh, for the testimony. And we thank you, Lord, for everybody that has come along. And as we think about your word in the, the final moments of this meeting, we pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us and that there would be that ready response within our hearts. Here am I, send me. In the Savior's name we ask all of this. Amen. Amen. The Bible is a very remarkable book. The Scriptures are full of things that we cannot understand, things that we cannot explain, things that we just step back and look at and admire and marvel but perhaps there is no chapter so full of mystery and so full of wonder as Genesis chapter 22. There are many questions about Genesis chapter 22. Why on earth did God ask Abraham to offer his son as a human sacrifice? Because we know such a thing is wrong. To take a human being and offer that human being upon an altar. Why would God ask Abraham to do such a thing? We cannot get into the mind and mystery of God. And we know that God never intended Abraham to offer his son. But it is most remarkable that Abraham was quite willing to do this very thing. Because he believed God, and he trusted God implicitly. Therefore, this is a great chapter of faith. The faith of Abraham rises to spectacular heights here in Genesis 22. The ability of one man to absolutely and completely trust God with everything. And that's what faith is. And Genesis 22 is certainly a challenge to us because we all have our problems, we all have our needs, we all have our situations, our circumstances, we all have our challenges, and yet not one of us are faced with a challenge like this. And yet, Abraham believed God. And that's what Christianity is, isn't it? That's what the Christian life is all about. Believing God, stepping out in faith, relying upon Him. Whenever the tests come, we may not be able to understand. We may not be able to explain. We may not be able to reason why. But we simply keep our eyes on the Lord. And that's what we must do if we are to follow the Savior. And so let us think about Genesis 22 tonight and the consecration of Abraham. And the first thing we see about Genesis 22 is the love of God. And you might say, how do we see the love of God? God asked this man to take his son and offer his son for a sacrifice. Oh, we see the love of God here in such a phenomenal and special way. Because in the verse 12 of Genesis 22, we read, God said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. 
Abraham was so willing. He put his son upon that altar. He took the knife and he raised the knife into the air. And he prepared to put that knife through the heart of his son. The old man's heart was breaking as he did it. And I can see the tears in his eyes. And yet, I must believe God. And then suddenly God stopped him. You've been willing to offer your son, your only son. Abraham's faith rose where he identified himself with God and his sacrifice. That's why this chapter is so special, because we see Abraham entering right into the very heart of God and being willing to do what God himself did. Because we might look at Genesis 22 and we say, that's horrible. The very thought of taking one son and offering one son upon an altar and putting a knife through his heart. It's horrible. So it is. But it's not as horrible as the cross. Where God took his son, his only son, and he put him upon a cross of wood to hang there naked under the heat of the sun. To expose him not only to the cruelty of man, but to the curse of the law as he shed his precious blood for us. That's more awful still. And we are told in the book of Romans chapter 8 and the verse 32 that God did not spare his only son. You know, Abraham loved his son Isaac, but Abraham didn't love Isaac as much as God loved his son. No father ever could love a son as much as God loved his son. And yet God parted with his son, and he sent them into this world to rub shoulders with sinners, to take the form of his sinful creatures, and yet he himself was without sin. He sent them into this world to suffer, to experience pain, to die on the cross, to die for us. And yet what are we? Poor lost sinners who deserve hell. We feel God every day. And yet God didn't withhold his son, his only son. There's so much in this chapter that shows us Calvary. And this has to be the purpose of the chapter, to reveal Calvary, to reveal the love of God for us. Because we look at Genesis 22, and what do we see in verse 3? We see wood. The wood is cleared for the burnt offering. And the wood is carried up the hill to the place where Isaac would be placed upon that altar. And then I can see Jesus going up Calvary's hill. What is upon his back? A cross of wood. He was sent to the land of Moriah to offer Isaac upon one of the mountains which God would tell him of. God directed him to a place where Isaac would be offered. And biblical scholars tell us that that place was very close to the place where Jesus would die. It was on the same raised platform. Mount Moriah, that is the place where Jerusalem is. 
That is the place where the temple was erected. That is the place where Calvary is. It's the same place where many years later God would offer his son, his only son. It amazes me here that Abraham didn't question, didn't ask God why he just did. But it amazes me even more that Isaac did everything his father asked him to do. Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. The two of them went together. But still Isaac didn't know what was happening. He didn't know that he would be the one who would be offered. Verse 7 says, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, and the father said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? There's something wrong here, father. There's no lamb. Abraham said, God will give us a lamb. And yet, at that point, Isaac was the lamb. And they went both of them together. And Isaac was stretched out upon that altar. Isaac was not a, an infant. He was a teenager. And there was no struggle and there was no fight. Isaac did exactly what his father told him of. So not only did Abraham trust God, but Isaac trusted his father Abraham. It was a picture of perfect and absolute submission. And then I can see Jesus coming into this world to die on the cross. He offered himself completely. Completely trusted his father. Completely yielded himself to his father's will. Completely surrendered himself to death. Even the death of the cross. Because that was the only way by which we could be saved. Truly we can say, hallelujah, what a savior. And yet there's something more here. What was the day they reached the place? Verse 4. It was the third day. They went on this journey. God directed them to a mount. Then they came to the mount on the third day. And on this day that was the third day, what did Abraham say to the young men? He left them at the foot of the mountain, Isaac, and him went alone. What did Abraham say? In verse 5, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham said on the third day, Isaac's going to come again. It could be, you know, and I think Paul does teach this in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham believed that if Isaac died, he'd be raised again. He believed in resurrection. He believed something amazing was going to take place. But we know something more amazing still took place the third day after Christ rose again. After Christ died, he did rise again. Because at the heart of the Christian faith is not just a Savior who died, but a Savior who lives and a Savior who rose. And that's what puts Christianity apart from all other faith. And when you have the opportunity to share your faith with others, get them to the resurrection. Jesus Christ rose again. We have the facts. We have the written records. We have the eyewitnesses that Christ rose again. The whole of our faith hangs or falls upon the resurrection of Christ. Yes, we have the the consecration of Abraham. And in that we see the love of God. And it was Isaac Watts who wrote, Were the whole realm of nature mine, 
that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. If God loves us so much, then there's one thing we need to do, and that's to love him. And I wonder tonight, have you given your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you yielded your heart to him? Have you given him your soul? Because he died for you. Oh, the reason why you need to be saved is because Jesus died for you. Such a love demands everything. But here we also see the consecration of the Christian. And there's a lesson for the unconverted person that they need to come to Christ because Christ died for them. But there's also a lesson here for the Christian that we should be holy and completely surrendered to the Lord because Abraham is the great example of total consecration here. Because in verse 20 of verse 1 of chapter 22, we read, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And you know, there's a wee question there. God can't tempt anybody. God can't tempt anybody to sin. Because that would be sin for God to tempt somebody to sin. And so the word tempt is used of God here, but it, it doesn't mean tempt in the same way the devil is the tempter, of course. It means God tested Abraham. God tried Abraham. God does test us. God does try us. He tries our faith. He tests our faith. That's what this was all about. We all meet trials of faith. You come up against a, a difficult situation, a challenging situation, as a test of faith. And in that moment of crisis, you need to make a decision. Will I serve God or will I not? Will I do the right thing or will I become the backslider? And her brother honestly shared about the misery of the backslider earlier. And so there's a test. There's a challenge. We have to face those challenges. We have to do the right thing for God. But whenever God tested Abraham, Abraham simply said, Behold, here I am. Lord, I'm here. I will do whatever you want me to do. And this story is about how Abraham took this boy and he loved Isaac more than he loved anyone in this whole world. But Abraham proved something here. That he, he didn't love Isaac as much as he loved God. He loved God first. He didn't make an idol of Isaac. He loved God first. And therefore he said to the Lord, I'm willing to part with Isaac. If that's what you want. Because you come first. And that's what consecration is. Giving ourselves so completely to God. We're saying to the Lord, Lord, nobody else matters. Nothing else matters. Your will or nothing. And that's what it was for Abraham here. The story of Watchman Nee is one of the, the most inspiring stories to come out of the the 20th century. His Chinese name literally meant a watchman. So in the English, he was known as Watchman Nee. He was born the first decade of the 20th century, born in China. At that time, there was freedom for Christians in China. And the Lord saved him. His parents were Christians, and his parents handed him over to the Lord at birth. And 
He went on to serve the Lord. He had a great vision, a great passion to spread the gospel in China, but he had a, a passion to do a work amongst Christians and to challenge Christians to be surrendered to God. And as a result of his ministry, many churches were founded and strengthened throughout China, many hundreds of churches. His devotional writings are particularly famous and have been specially blessed. But then the Cultural Revolution came. The communists swept into power. And with the coming of the communists, Christians were outlawed. And from the 1950s, Watchman Nee lost his freedom for the rest of his life. He died in 1972. He, he died in prison. His family were just written to and told he's dead. They burnt his body. And and this, I think it was, was able to go to the prison and reclaim the ashes. And the ashes were laid beside the body of his wife who had just passed away six months previous. And for the whole of their lives from the 1950s, they, they weren't together. His wife was the only one who was ever allowed to go and see him in prison. And those visits were not very frequent. It was an enormous sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, but he is one of many who have been willing to make that sacrifice. But this is what he said about Isaac. He said, Isaac represents many gifts of God's grace. Before God gives them, our hands are empty. Afterwards, they are full. Sometimes God reaches out his hand to take ours in fellowship. Then we need an empty hand to put into his but when we have received his gifts and are nursing them to ourselves, our hands are full. And when God puts out his hand, we have no empty hand for him. You see, he, he, he saw Isaac and Abraham going together. But he saw something else. He saw God going hand in hand with Abraham up that hill. As God took Abraham up that hill, Abraham was holding the hand of God. But if you're going to hold somebody's hand, your hand needs to be empty. If you're holding something, you, you can't hold that person's hand. Your hand needs to be empty. And what he was saying was this, if Abraham had held on to Isaac and said, no, no, I'm not parting with Isaac, that would have been Abraham's hand being full, the empty hand for God. Whenever Abraham said, look, I'm willing to part with Isaac, he was empty. And somebody could put his hand into the hand of God. And perhaps your hand, dear Christian tonight, is not in God's hand because it's full. There's something else in that hand. Perhaps you have a relationship with somebody that's not right. Somebody that really doesn't want to serve God or somebody even that's not a Christian. You're holding on to that relationship, holding on to that friendship. You're losing out with God. Maybe there's some kind of activity you're into. Maybe some kind of sport. Sport can be good. Good for the body. Good exercise. But it can also become an idol. It can fill your mind, fill your time. No time for God. No time for the prayer meeting. No time for serving the Lord. Hardly any time for youth. Maybe it's some other activity. Something you'd rather go to. Friday night youth fellowship comes along and I want to go with this crowd or that crowd. It's more fun there. It's more exciting there, but you're not getting that there. And so your hand is full. No time for the Lord. 
You see, if we are to be totally consecrated to God, we need to say, Lord, my hand is empty. I'm going to put my hand into the hand of the Lord. I'm going to allow him to lead me all of the way. Because if Jesus Christ, as C.T. Studd said all of those years ago, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great that I can make for him. And that's the argument. Christ demands everything or all. And that is exactly what Abraham did here. But there's a promise here. And a wedding is a time of promise. It's a covenant. Wedding ring represents a covenant, represents a promise. But God makes a covenant with his people. His promises for his people. And God stepped into this situation. Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. But as he lifted up the knife, he heard the ram bleating. And there was the ram caught in the thicket. God stopped him and there was the ram. There was the sacrifice. God gave the sacrifice. And the ram was offered instead of Isaac. And then Isaac called, Abraham called the place in verse 14, Jehovah Jireh. It means the Lord will provide. The translation that is given here is in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. In that place where God was in that mount, Abraham would see God providing. God would provide the need. God does provide our needs. But God only provided Abraham's need because Abraham was willing to part with everything. Two things go hand in hand. And in closing, I want to share with you the story of the church at Philippi. So often we quote this text, don't we? We have it there uh, in the the final part of this quotation, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I often do Christians quote that, but they don't really understand what it means. What does it mean? God will supply all your need. Well, you have to understand the people the promise was given to, to know what it means. And we go back to the previous verse, and we see what it means where Paul said, I, I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. You see, the book of Philippians is a thank you letter. Uh, the church at Philippi had sent a gift, a very substantial gift, and they had parted with that gift, and they had sent that gift across the miles from the place where Philippi was in Macedonia to Rome, where Paul was a prisoner. And they sent one of their elders, a man called Epaphroditus, and he traveled with this gift. And he gave the gift to Paul, that Paul might be helped, that Paul might be blessed. And Paul was thanking the people. But this gift, it wasn't just about parting with the money. It was about parting with the heart. This gift was an act of worship. Paul said, it's an odor of a sweet smell. It's a sacrifice acceptable. You've given a sacrifice to God. In essence, they offered Isaac. They made a sacrifice. And then, Paul said, My God will supply all your need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When we give ourselves to the Lord, He will meet our needs. But we will only know that blessing whenever we are surrendered to God. 
That's the challenge. But the comfort is this. Whenever we are wholly determined to serve God, God will be with us every step of the way. He will meet every need. Oh, you might say, that decision you're calling me to make, that sin I must repent of, that's a hard thing. The devil makes it hard. But you part with it. and You have done with it for Jesus Christ's sake. And God will bless you more ways than you ever could imagine. That relationship you need to part with. You get rid of that relationship no matter how hard it might seem. And I promise you, God will give you more friends. And he'll give you another relationship. And you'll be blessed immeasurably. Because you did the right thing. You know, never ever be content with God's second best. Alan Redpath was a great uh, Bible teacher. He wrote many books. You still see his books in the shops. Um, Alan Redpath tells this story that whenever he was a, a young man, he was called by God to go to China. And he said no to the Lord. I'm not going. And the reason why he said no to the Lord was because of the girl he was about to marry. And she was a Christian girl and a good girl. And the two of them got married and they said no more about it. And the Lord used them. And the Lord used them mightily for the, for the Savior. And his ministry was such a blessing. And many, many years later, his wife and him were talking and he said, something I want to share with you. I've had this in my heart a long time and I just feel I need to bring it to you. He said, whenever we were young, the Lord called me into the mission field. And I said, no, because we were going to get married. I didn't think that, that you would have really... I felt, felt led along that way, and I, I couldn't bear the thought of parting. And she looked at him, and she said, Alan, the Lord called me too. But because of you, I didn't go. We never talked about it. And, and he said that he, he believed that all of the good things God enabled him to do, if only he had obeyed, there would have been something better. But yet the Lord's merciful, the Lord's gracious. We fail him and he steps in. He gives another opportunity. He's the God of the second opportunity. But you're young. You have the world ahead of you, life ahead of you. Never settle for God's second best. Whatever the best is the Lord has for you. Reach it. Claim it. Be wholly surrendered. And I promise you, God will supply your need according to his riches and glory. Let's bow for prayer. Have we got a closing hymn? Okay. Let's bow for prayer. Neville's going to come and lead us with a closing hymn. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're not saved. You give your life to the Lord tonight where you are. Lord, save me. You're here tonight. You're backslidden. You've lost out with the Lord. You do it. Our brother earlier talked about putting his head in the, the steering wheel. Put you, your head in that pew in front of you and cry to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. 
Perhaps there's someone here being challenged about something in their life that's not right. You get rid of it tonight. Be wholly surrendered to God. If Jesus Christ died for us, then he wants our all. Father in heaven, bless your word. Write it upon every heart. For Christ's sake.